Today we're going to read Psalm 137 as we consider uh, how the Psalms can help us face personal pain. Um, we're going to read it together, but I'm, I'm actually not going to read the final um, line in the ninth verse. I'm going to read the first eight and a half verses. And I would like you to have your copy of the Bible so that you can read uh, that final one, that final phrase uh, that appears at the last part of verse 9 uh, silently. Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept. When we remembered Zion, there we hung up our lyres on the popular trees. For our captors there asked us for songs, and our tormentors for rejoicing. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the Lord's song on foreign soil? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not exalt Jerusalem as my greatest joy, Lord, remember, Lord, what the Edomites said that day at Jerusalem. Destroy it, destroy it, down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who pays you back for what you have done to us. As you read that final phrase, those, that final sentence to verse 9 of Psalm 137, it's, um, it's shocking, isn't it? It's difficult to justify thinking those thoughts, much less speaking them out loud. Certainly, it feels inappropriate to sing as the final lyrics uh, to a song that is sung during public worship. I certainly didn't feel comfortable reading them knowing that there could be children in earshot. The words are shocking. I think they were intended to be shocking. And yet, there they are in the Bible, in the Psalter, Psalm 137. Psalm 137 is one of 18 imprecatory psalms. Uh, they are songs in the collection that ask God to curse the people who are hurting the children of Israel. And sometimes the words in the psalms are quite harsh and they depict violent acts, sometimes in graphic ways. They're intended to shock the senses, to cause the listener to stop whatever else we're doing and to say, what did you just say? Are you kidding me? As we close out our series of psalms, the background music of our soul, I thought it would be appropriate for us to look at one of these imprecatory psalms and to see how lament functions to actually encourage us during seasons of pain, of personal pain. You remember in our very first message I pointed out to you that whenever we interpret psalms that we don't just seek to understand the message but we also want to experience the message, understand and experience. Just the power of the poetry causes you to do that. Psalms are not to be read quickly, they're to be savored. 
Uh, they're to be meditated on. They're to be experienced. They are to become the fiber of who we are to some degree or to use the metaphor that we've been using. They're the background music that helps us face life's problems. Most of the time I can get to the understanding of a psalm pretty quickly. It's the experiencing the psalm that takes me more time. It may be that I'm basically a rational person, not a very emotional person, and um, I'm not always in touch uh, with uh, what I'm feeling. I feel it all right, but I can't always name uh, what the emotion is. Uh, and it may be that that's a personal thing for me. Or it may be that for you, it's easier for you to understand than it is experience. But that's not the case with this psalm. When I read this psalm, I get it pretty quick. Um, these, these folks, these people that are captor, uh, captive in Babylon are pretty upset. In fact, they're downright angry and they want revenge. They want it now. They want their captors to suffer in just the same way they had caused them to suffer. See, I can, I can experience the pain pretty quickly, the frustration, the desire for revenge. Maybe that's because revenge, the desire for revenge, is not something we have to teach our children. Um, not that we would want to, but we never seem to need to. Uh, because from a very young age, whenever someone is harmed, they want to get back at the person that harmed them. It's, it's uh, a part of the, the natural fallen state. I suspect it's a part of original sin. You never have to teach someone to thirst for revenge. They want it. The challenge with this psalm isn't experiencing it. I can get there. The challenge is with understanding what's the point. Why would a worship psalm have this kind of darkness in it? Well, certainly um, not because this is how we should think. Probably it's because it's the way we tend to think when injustice comes our way and the pain is personal. It's not how we should act, but it is the way we do act at time, times. Now, at the close of the message, I'm going to provide some guidance for uh, how we can gain victory over this desire for revenge. Uh, but for now, I want to spend some time in this text gaining some understanding about what the psalmist is communicating to us and why is this psalm in the ancient songbook and why is it a part of, uh, of our Bible today? Well, let's see if we can uh, get to the, psalm, the psalmist point. Uh, the captors who had committed atrocities against the children of Israel just by taking them prisoners and then by continuing to hold them and uh, to torment them. The psalmist calls the captors his tormentors. Um, the captors who were inflicting this pain on the children of Israel asked them to entertain them with one of their songs. 
They asked them to sing one of the songs of Israel for them. But the anonymous psalmist and those he was with did not want to comply at all with that request. Their songs were sacred. They were not intended to entertain these foreigners in this foreign land. In fact, uh, he had had enough with the singing of the psalms. He didn't want to rejoice. His heart was hurting in this moment. He was overcome by the personal pain and he had taken his lyre and he had hung it on the poplar tree. It was like the pain was so great that he couldn't rejoice. He couldn't sing. And he even got to the point where he thought it was wrong for him to engage in uh, singing on the foreign soil and to sing the songs of Jerusalem there. He certainly wasn't about to give his captors the satisfaction of being entertained by their sacred songs. So he refused to sing. What happens when the personal pain of our life drowns out the background music to our soul? What happens when the pain gets personal? Well, one of the functions of the imprecatory psalms, there's 18 of them throughout the, uh, uh, the psalms. Of the 150 psalms, 18 of them are imprecatory. One of the functions of the imprecatory psalms is to encourage hope. Not because they're dripping with optimism and hope. It's not because they offer praise. It's actually the opposite. Because of their honest, gritty portrayal of this visceral reaction whenever encountering the personal pain of injustice, that, that natural reaction to lash out, to call down fire from heaven, to destroy those that are perpetrating the injustice, a desire to quench the thirst for revenge. Now, it's interesting that while the psalmist refused to sing one of the psalms to entertain the captors, that his personal pain didn't keep him from writing a psalm. Now, did it? You see, even when the pain drowns out the song, the song continues. You cannot beat it down. It may not be an upbeat psalm. It may be down. It may be harsh. It may even be angry and it may even be vengeful, but you cannot turn down the music. You cannot. He could not. Because at his core, even this dark psalm demonstrates a trust in God. It demonstrates faith. It shows the firm conviction that these Babylonians are not going to have the last word. God is. The God of the universe who spoke and the world came into being. The God who knelt bef between the Tigris and the Euphrates River and scooped up some soil and formed man and breathed into him the bread of life. The God of Abraham. The God of Isaac. The God of Jacob. That God who had created the heavens and earth. He was in charge. And those who were 
serving as captors to God's people would one day give account to God. Now, the psalmist erred in his attitude, but his faith was right. His knowledge was right. See, this psalm, though dark, is an acknowledgement that God is in control and that everyone will give account to God one day. It is a psalm of faith that God will have the last word. In a very strange kind of way, it's a psalm of hope. It's a psalm of hope that says it's not always going to be like this. These circumstances are temporary. Now, they were bleak. Uh, in the captivity, the children of Israel had been stripped of all of their symbols of faith. The temple, it was just a memory. The sacrificial system was gone. They'd taken the tools, uh, the silver and the gold, and they had taken it that were used in worship and now was used in Babylon to, to be sources of entertainment for that pagan nation. I'm telling you, they had reason to be upset. This wasn't right. The city of Jerusalem, it was just a memory in the back of their mind. The priest, gone. The rituals, the traditions, all of it was gone. And yet, in the midst of their personal pain and great loss, they were unshaken. Even though expressed in a way that feels inappropriate to us as we read it, in the midst of it we see a glimmer of hope, a hope that is based on the knowledge that God is still on His throne and that the captors will not have the last word. Hebrews 6 and 19 describes hope as an anchor for the soul. It says that it is both firm and secure. I like that picture, an, an anchor, as the anchor digs into the sea bottom to keep the tides and the winds and the waves from moving a ship. So hope anchors our soul and it keeps the problems, the pressures, the despair. It keeps it from controlling us because we know as bad as it is that there's still hope. And then we see beyond just the fact that it anchors us, that it actually propels us and helps us to grow. In Romans 5, 3 through 5, it says, not only, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. Look at this chain reaction, if you will. The suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. That's how we get from personal pain to hope. Because we know that the personal pain is not gonna, does not have to necessarily produce despair. Not if we trust in God. And even if all the, the, the faith we have left is just this very flimsy and dark thought that God is one day going to take vengeance on those who are doing this to me. 
You see, when all is stripped away, what is left is faith, and sometimes it's solid and sometimes it flickers, but it's always there. For the psalmist, it was this flickering, flimsy, it was this faith, this dark side of faith that says, they're going to get their coming uppins because I know that God is in charge. But whether it is that that strain, that, that weak, what I'd call a weak faith, an immature faith, or which if, whether it's a full and robust faith that allows you to pray for your enemies and to love them and to pray for those that despitefully use you, wherever it is on that spectrum, it's still faith that God is going to make things right. This Romans passage lets us know that on the path from the pain produces this perseverance which helps define our character, which leads us to hope, and that hope will not be disappointing. Personal pain produces perseverance. Let's look at each one of these steps that we find in Romans. Have you ever seen the movie Rocky? Uh, there's one scene that shows Rocky's first workout after getting his dream shot at the champion. At the end of the scene, he's holding his side as, as he climbed up a series of cement steps. Obviously, he's in pain from the workout. At that moment in the movie, you don't know if he's going to make it or not. But later, he returns to that same spot after many works out, workouts and going through the suffering and the pain of getting ready. He's running up those same steps, and this time his hand isn't at his side. He finishes his workout with this reservoir of energy. He throws his arms up in the air. The camera circles him as he holds those arms up in place. The background music plays the theme song, and it's this moment of invincibility that the kid from Philly is going to make it. That's working through the pain that builds perseverance. The same thing happens to us spiritually. It's as we go through the difficult days that we persevere, and that perseverance builds character. You know, personal pain really exposes who you are. If you're an entitled person that feels that you deserve an easy life, if you think God or the world owes you something, then when the personal pain comes, you'll get bitter. However, if at your core you're a person that trusts God and has faith in God and you understand that He doesn't really owe you anything, he doesn't have to give you an easy life. He doesn't have to treat you better than everyone else. If, if you understand that you don't own God, but God owns you, you belong to Him, then you lean into Him in the midst of that pain, and He produces character. And then the character brings about hope. You know, there's different ways of keeping score in life. Some people keep score by how much they own, the number of things they accumulate. Other people keep score by great experiences that they have, and they look for extreme experiences and uh, fill up their social media with uh, or their scrapbook uh, with photos of those great experiences. Uh, 
But there's another way to keep score, not just by what you have or what you've done, but a third way to keep score is who you are. What is your character? Who are you at the end of the day? Who are you when the going gets tough? Uh, what do we do with the experiences we have? And what do we do with the things that we have or don't have? Can we be unshaken when times get tough and the world is difficult? What do you do when you're discouraged? What do you do when you're experiencing personal pain? Well, don't give up. Keep singing. Don't let them take your song from you. Why? Not because they deserve to be entertained, but because you need to sing. It's because even in the midst of the pain, especially in the midst of the pain, you need to sing. You need to sing of the goodness of the Lord. Even if He doesn't feel good to you in the moment, surely God has been good to Israel, has He not? Surely God has been good to us, has He not? Don't let them take your song. Keep singing. That's the message of this psalm. It ends in hope. Oh, it doesn't demonstrate the kind of mature faith that we would like to see in a person. This crying out for revenge in this horrible and graphic and shocking way that the psalm ends. But there's faith there nonetheless. And this gives me comfort to know that even in my moments when I'm not at my best, even when my prayers are offensive, God still wants to hear them. He still wants me to cry out to Him. It's right here in the book. It's in the Scripture. The psalmist cried out in the midst of his pain. However, we all know this isn't the best response. Let me talk to you about a preferred response. The Scripture teaches us that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I, I will repay. There is a better way than crying out for vengeance on our enemies. A way I learned while sipping tea in Estel's living room. I was a young pastor going through some difficult times and, to be honest with you, wasn't being treated fairly. Uh, by some of the folks that were leaders in the church. And I went over to Estel's house. He was a, he was a seasoned leader, a seasoned Christian uh, that uh, had come into the church from another community. He was a retired man and was a man of obvious faith. And I just needed to know what I should do. How do I respond? And he commiserated with me a little bit. Um, and then he says, Pastor, I've learned to pray that God will not take out His vengeance on my enemies. I wouldn't want my worst enemies to have to deal with God's vengeance. I took another cup of 
a sip of the iced tea that his wife had provided for me and let the power of those words sink in. My first thought was disappointment. I, I really thought that if I came over and talked to Estel that he would give me some kind of tips how to win the battle that was going on and I thought that maybe even he would offer to help. But he didn't. Instead he talked to me about forgiveness and a better way and about loving and how not to ruminate about how I'd been done wrong and how the people who had done this deserved the vengeance of God. See, at the time, I didn't think he was helping me, but now I know he really was because he was teaching me a better path. The truth is, God will settle the scores. Uh, when we look around the injustice that's going on in our world and we shake our head and we wonder, is it ever going to stop? And the answer is yes, one day it's going to stop. Because one day, one day the Lord's going to return and He's going to settle some scores. And I tell you one thing for sure, I want to be on the right side of that battle. How about you? But what Estel taught me to do was to not pray for vengeance, but pray for forgiveness. See, he was teaching me the better way that Jesus took on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That Stephen took when he was being stoned. The psalmist, he cried out for revenge and he did it in a very graphic way. We don't have to take that path. See, in the midst of our personal pain, hope can sprout up and joy. Not just because we know that God is going to settle the score, but because we know we don't have to ask Him to do it. Because we can trust Him in the midst of our pain to be a gracious God and to love and to forgive and to heal. And the first step in the path towards personal healing from our personal pain is to be willing to ask God to be gracious to those who are inflicting it on us. I want you to know I love you. It's been, it's been my joy to bring you these messages. And I pray that you will never face a trial without the background music playing for yourself.